from a radio studio on Long Island, New York. Come two die-hard fans of the greatest rock and roll band hailing from Hollywood, California. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses and anything else in their distorted minds, it's Brando and Scotto. And this is Appetite for Distortion. And welcome to the podcast. My name is Brando. With me, as always, is my partner in Perfect Crime, Scott Okama Ian. What's going on, buddy? Nothing much. Actually, what's going on is that it is hot as hell in New York for the past week, but, you know, staying cool. It's one of those days where it's like it's nice to be in an air-conditioned studio as opposed to like, oh, I'm missing the summer day out here because it's, it's too damn hot. It is pretty warm. I still prefer this over the winter. Oh, me too. It's yeah. just I, I can't deal with the snow and the ice. But, yeah, no, I was sweating bullets. Yeah. Uh, definitely in my, my apartment because I'm too cheap to pay for air conditioning. So I have a million fans. Not like real fans. Like You do like, have a million fans. No, I ha- it's like the M&M commercial. <laughs> that's such a clever thing. That's a real fan. All right, all right so uh, basically, um, welcome to the show. This is our fifth episode. We really appreciate everybody who has listened to the first four. And uh, pretty big news. We are officially also, in addition to iTunes and SoundCloud, and again, as a quick reminder, please leave us re- a review on iTunes, as that's going to help us. That's going to help us get more exposure, which in turn helps you. More things that we can do, more people that we can interview. We're here for you. Yeah, I want to crack. The, my, my big thing is I want to crack that top 150 in oh, music. I thought you'd be like, I want crack. I, like, I do want to crack. That kind of um, show, I'm going to stick my dick in the bash. <laughs> <laodles." laughs> uh, yeah, no, I want to crack that one top 150 because it's like I look on there and, and they have podcasts similar to ours that... You know, I, I might even say we're doing something a little bit more professional than like I, because I'm a fan, to be honest, of Three Sides of the Coin, which is like the Kiss podcast, very similar to what we do. Those guys are great, I think. However, it's done on Skype. There's always like, you know, uh, you cut out there. You're like, I like the fact that we do this in a studio each week that we do it. Um, so like, I just feel like, hey, if, if Three Sides of the Coin can make the top 150 and they're great, nothing taken away from them, I think we can make the top 150. So we got to do it. Amen, Amen. Hi. I mean, I have. I only know of them because of you, because you're more of a podcast person. Um, I will always credit you that this was your idea at the beginning. Sure. Uh, and then we all formulated. Uh, we all two people. We we formulated together and to create everything else. After that, um, I'm just not a huge fan of Kiss. I can say that. But you don't even have you know to what? be a no, huge no, fan. I, it's one I, of those things. I'm more of, I don't like Gene Simmons. Let me just, I, I guess more specific. <laughs> that's a whole other show yeah. and, and podcast, I guess. That's a whole other thing. But I feel like almost how you've said people have enjoyed what we do and they're not the biggest Guns N' Roses fans, I think Kiss's history is just very interesting and very fascinating. I actually find the history of the band more interesting than the, the music itself, which is kind of weird. Like almost how, you know, they... They were on like a decline when they had the paint on and they took the paint off to do lick it up and all that stuff. And and then they had a decline again. It was like, what do we do? We bring back the original members. So it's almost like they've had that saga that Guns N' Roses had that I find interesting. They're a band that and why we love one of the many reasons why we love Guns N' Roses so much that has transcended just being a band. Yeah. Uh, whether it's doing being part of movies, love Detroit Rock City. Oh, I know so that good. was much, much so later good. in their career, or, you know, cartoons, and obviously, of course, all the merchandising, all that kind of stuff. The Kiss Coffin. The Kiss Coffin. Which Dimebag Daryl was buried in. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But um, 
Yeah, so we want the, the reviews, more things that we can do. And also, big news is that we are officially on the iHeartRadio app. And the reason why we're fortunate to be able to be in the studios, because we both work in radio. So yeah. it's just, we're, we're very fortunate. Not everybody has the, uh, the access to the means. So I'm not going to say that we're, you know, we're so well off, we're able to afford our own studio. We're not Anthony Cumia. Yeah. Uh, but we're, we're able to record. Again, I'm very grateful to my, my PD at uh, WBAB, who's allowing me to use the studios, because he knows I'm not burning it down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is like... It's one of those things where I think we both feel the same way. If this thing becomes huge and makes money, awesome. That's that's a great thing. But this is something that we just love to do, and it's like working in radio. If you're you know doing music like you are, or like me, uh, doing politics, like yes, it does get tedious. Even if you love what you're doing, it, it 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 is a job just like any other job. And I genuinely enjoy talking Guns and Roses. So. No matter where this goes, this is just a fun outlet for me. This is a fun, creative thing. And that's the feedback that we're getting. That's the, the really the point of the podcast is that we're getting people that, hey, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to listen to it later. I'm listening to it on my way to work. You know, yeah. I'm listening to it while, you know, my, my, my kid's shitting everywhere. My wife's <laughs> taking care of it. Well, I'm glad that our podcast is helping you be a bad father, but whatever. It, it's all good. So uh, I mean, and I'm, I'm just, I, I should say, a fan of the medium. In general, I really am. Like, I don't. In, yeah, we're in, gonna have fun um, w- with the interviews that we've been having. Uh, later on, we're gonna have you, you bringing in uh, another guest. Yes, Navy SEAL Mike Ritland, awesome guy, big fan of just metal and rock music, and and a, I would say a casual Guns and Roses fan. And it's cool to hear his perspective as someone who got awesome seats to uh, the uh, the Texas show, not Houston. To um, why am I forgetting now? <laughs> the, the name of the Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Yeah, so he went to a Jerry World, uh, where the Cowboys play. Yeah. And I like how the, 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 quote, casual Guns N' Roses fan is right up front, where me, I'm in the nosebleeds. When you're a Navy SEAL, you have some connections, I think. I guess so. I mean, I got handicap seats. Well, I guess uh, we're not as important <laughs> than everybody else. Uh, but not much has happened, I guess, because our last interview, uh, last interview, our last show, we were talking about our experiences at the Guns N' Roses show at MetLife Stadium. And it's just kind of, I've been reliving that and wanting to go back. And I don't know about you, Ian, a lot of the steam has, has kind of dissipated from me since then, because that was, it was just building up my entire life then. So now I've kind of taken a breath. I haven't been watching all the videos because it's just like, I, I experienced it live. I need, sure. I need to go live again. Uh, we'll get to the one video that we needed to see, which was the main thing that happened, which was the ghost in Axel's piano yeah. or something like that. There's still cool stuff, though, that, that I'm excited about, like going on, they get mentioned every show, my GNR forum, and seeing the lithographs for each city. Like, that's interesting. It's the cool. The Seattle doing... one looks awesome. Looks I don't like remember this... what was on that one. It looks like the uh, Seattle Supersonic logo. That's, that's cool. where Duff is from. And it's just, yeah, the lithographs just look awesome. So th- things like that. I enjoy seeing uh, everyone's pictures on Twitter, Facebook, and my GNR forum. That I like. Uh, I've taken your suggestion. I'm not looking at the set list anymore because— Well, you already went. 
I know, but for the I'll next time. I'll look at time, the set list now. I, well, but but I, I want to be surprised yeah. by even just a video or just obviously they're not going to come around for a while now. I but, think it's too late to be surprised, man. Maybe you'll be surprised by Axel DC if you decide to go and don't check out that set Yeah, th- I guess that's the next big thing. I mean, well, they did announce uh, an Australia tour. Yes. No, did they announce it or is it being rumored? Because last I checked, it was heavily rumored. Okay, then maybe then it's being rumored. Yeah, I, I, we'll you're, you're the one who told me, so yeah, I you're think giving me misinformation. I think it's heavily rumored at the point that we're recording this. Maybe it's released by the time we release it, um, but it looks like they'll be in Australia next, which is you know very cool for those people down under who haven't had a chance to see this band, and I'm sure even you know the Axel and Friends band, whatever you want to call them, you know I I still say GNR. Uh, I don't know when the last time they were in Australia was, so I think a lot of people have not had the opportunity to, to see what we saw. No, and it's it's cool because I uh, we we follow all the guys on on, on Twitter. You know, uh, Slash and and Duff seem to be the most active on yeah. it. But uh, Axel uh, has put out some tweets, just thanking all the fans from all the shows. He he mentioned every individual city. And he also mentioned that there aren't many shows left in the United States, and that saddens him. And in his a million emojis that he uses, I never thought Axel would be an emoji user, but he's like, how could it be? Say it ain't so. You know, so it's the fact that he just seems to be in a really good place, and he should be carrying that to Axel DC, ACDC, which is really petering out. It's a really weird, awkward Alex Rodriguez type of ending. Yeah. People are excited for it, though. I mean... I am now. I wasn't. I was intrigued. But after seeing how well he's been doing, I mean, this, and this is also could be the last time we see Angus Young. Yeah. But, like, looking at the tickets on StubHub, they're going for a pretty high price for yeah. the MSG show. This actually isn't like, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of a sad ending, even though I liked seeing the movie and everything. Motley Crue's last show, I remember looking at tickets on StubHub a few nights before, and you could have gotten tickets to Motley Crue's last ever show for like 20 bucks. Oh my which God. I was surprised by, man. It was just, you know, I guess they went on too long with that tour. And, um, you know, and also a lot of people were not impressed by Vince Neal, let's say. But, I, you know, if if tickets are still going for 100 plus on StubHub for any seat in the house, like that's a successful tour. I know. And the, I know Angus Young recently mentioned, because uh, Axel has mentioned uh, to, to start this off, that he wants to do more stuff with ACDC. He wants to continue, whether it's live shows or... I don't know if he mentioned recordings. I don't think he mentioned an album. I think that's more of a rumor. Uh, but recently, I think it was an interview with Rolling Stone, he was asked, Angus Young was asked, if a- ACDC is going to continue. Because there are, of course, rumors about Brian Johnson getting better. Um, maybe there's, there's some earpieces to help him with his hearing. It was more on his, his live shows that it was affecting his hearing, not so much... The, the in-studio stuff, but Angus said now that Cliff Williams, the, the bassist, announced his retirement, he doesn't know. I, he doesn't know after this Black Ice, uh, not, uh, not Black Ice, this, um, whatever, oh, they're, I, whatever they're calling this, uh, this, this tour. Rock or Bust, yeah, right? Yeah, Rock or Bust. Black Ice was like two albums ago. Yeah. Uh, this, this Rock or Bust tour that seems to be going on forever as well. I do like the fact that, you know, what I've seen of the tickets, though, it does say ACDC with Axl Rose. I think that's good. You know, I, I think it is a different band in a sense. It is, because uh, you, you're not going to fool fans at this point. You, you can do that if you're a certain, when you're not that tier of a band. I think for a while, I mean, I guess Sublime tried to be Sublime again, and then they did Sublime with, yeah, with Rome. I don't get yeah, that, Yeah, there were lawsuits there. Uh, Brad Noel, you know, he, uh, he, he wrote everything. 
It's yeah, that, that, that's different. But I think you have to when it's it's not just another guest singer. I mean, Rome, he's not a name like Axl Rose. And it's really interesting. You're seeing a lot of celebrities coming out in praise of Axl. Gene Simmons, who hates everything. I like has been loving this. <laughs> I know and, you hate Gene. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Gene is an interesting guy, man. Uh, there, there are things he's said about just the aspects of uh, of depression. Oh yeah, but and, have you? Did you read his son's article about him? You should check that out. I think his son's a, a cool guy. I, I I like that. I mean, I, he looks at it through his father, like glass, certain glasses. No, but he did write a really good article, kind of saying. It, you know, it's okay that I think my dad is wrong on a ton of things. And, it, you know, I still love him. Oh, it was actually fine. a really heartfelt article. And he talked about how, like, when his dad says that, you know, uh, drugs aren't... Well, I, I don't know how he always puts it, that it's not a it's not a sickness. It's not... Yeah. Drug addiction isn't, uh, you know... When After Robin Williams passed, um, to, to talk about Kiss again, it's funny, uh, that it's just... Uh, he, he said that, like, no one should be that sad that his mom, I guess, survived the, concentra- Holocaust, the yeah. Holocaust concentration camps and she lived a full life. So there's no excuse for it. And that's just such for me who who has suffered from suffering. I mean, it's never ending uh, depression. Oh, I have too, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Cymbalta. Uh, I don't take anything, but yeah, no, uh, I, I know what you mean. He, he, good for you, man. I needed to take something. <laughs> My therapist was like, you need to fucking take something. I'm, I'm not even <laughs> paraphrasing. She's like, you need to take, fucking take something. Uh, that that's dangerous because it is an illness and it really upset me when he said that, especially right after Robin Williams' death. Just sh- shut up. And the same thing with uh, with Prince, what he called the death pathetic. Yeah. You he, should read the article by his son, though. I, I really enjoyed it. I will, and I understand maybe you should, it's, it's in regards to compartmentalizing what people say and why they're saying it and their perspective doesn't mean they're, mean they're bad people. Um, and I think that's also how I've always looked at Axl Rose. When he went on his rants, uh, getting angry, doing all these things. I'm like, this seems like he had a messed up childhood. I'm looking at it, you know, maybe through rose-colored glasses, yeah. pun intended. Uh, but that's how I looked at it. But, well, whatever, I digress. It's going to be interesting, though, with um, with Angus Young and, and Axl Rose doing this, since it's gotten all the great reviews. Even Ted Nugent praised this. You know, a lot of people are coming out and just saying Axl Rose is doing such a great job. So... Uh, and those are professionals. And he seems to be a major target that you could easily be shit on. Sure. And it's not really happening anymore. And so you saying Axl Rose uh, getting angry uh, about things and that you have to, you know, take things, uh, you know, as they come and um, that that you can't judge him by, by all his actions that he's had over the years, that actually brings us to his reaction to this November rain mess up uh, at, first at the I Houston thought, show. Yeah, this was um, uh, August 5th, and the only reason I know that because I'm looking at the YouTube channel now. We're going to play it in a second. Um, I just I saw it late in the game, and, man, it's it's no, uh, it's kind of brutal. I was scared because reading just the headlines and all the clickbait stuff that now exists in our oh, sure. in our media is like, Guns N' Roses, fuck up November rain. I'm like, oh, shit. What, and I what really happened? hate the clickbait when it's, it's totally not what it is, which is all the time, where it's just you, you click on it and you're like, oh, that was it? Yeah, or um, there are a lot that said Axl Rose um, gets pissed. Yeah. And you see his reaction, and it's not. So we're going to kind of do this in, quote, real time, I guess. They're in the middle of November rain right now. And Axl Rose is looking around. Sounds okay. And as, well, 
You can hear what sounds like almost like a toy kid's piano. He's laughing right now. It sounds horrible, by the way. What the fuck was that? <laughs> like, and what, what? So Axel stops playing his piano. He's looking back at Dizzy. And it's what's going on? Is he going to storm off? Can we stop it, at least? <laughs> He's got a smile on his face, puts his hands up like, I don't know what I'm do- what's going on. Wow, it's the piano's broken. <laughs> All right. So how's he going to handle this? How is Axl Rose going to handle this? So you have a suggestion then? <laughs> I don't know if he's talking to Izzy or one of the sound guys right now. And he goes back into the song. But keep it playing, though. See, it still has that sound, and that's what I was going to say. I wonder why he stays on the piano throughout the song, because at this point, the piano is not adding anything. It's deterring from the song. Why couldn't you have Dizzy Reed just play some keyboards that sound like the piano parts and just sing? Because it sounds bad, dude. It's brutal. It sounds like when an infant, or I should say like a toddler, is just put in front of a piano because... Yeah, I don't know it. why he kept playing. And I, what, ha- like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a musician by any means. Uh, you know, I, I've done some things over the years, uh, dabbled in things, but um, yeah, I don't know how a piano breaks like that. Like, how does that happen? Did a string break? I, I don't know, but it sounds the, more than that. But though, the, right? It sounds terrible. But the f- fact that he's smiling. Yeah. And uh, and I'll credit the the YouTuber who said this. It wasn't any of us. That said, thanks to the lame-ass technical difficulties, I'm staying and giving you guys a great show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I He definitely did not react in what people would consider typical Axel fashion. Uh, he's definitely a more level-headed guy now. Maybe he's on medication. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I just don't know why he kept playing the, the piano, but I, I guess it's just what he was used to. But I've seen, like, a revolution here on Long Island. I saw Lita Ford... Uh, have technical difficulties and throw a fucking amp and, you know, curse out the sound guy. Like, there's people who would have reacted far worse than that. Uh, oh, 100%. And I'm reading the the comments from people who were there that said it was just such a great, a great moment and they just kicked ass the, the entire show. Yeah. And it's just those things happened. And, okay, maybe it was... Was it like an Ashley Simpson moment where he doesn't really play the piano after all these years? No, it's <laughs> nothing like that. So the fact that something, quote, went wrong and they they moved on. There's another that, part, too. I mean, we can't play the whole thing, but there was a part where he was like, he's like, is it, what is it, a ghost? He's like, you can at least get the fucking song right if you're a ghost. So, <laughs> I think he said, I don't mind ghosts or gremlins, but they probably should learn the fucking song. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yep. I mean, that's something, one of the main things I, I've always loved about Axel is his sense of humor. Yeah. That's just always been underneath that wall of anger where people say. But when he originally he, they, stops the song, people even said, like, in the comments that you're reading, I saw some that said something to the effect of, like, you know that Duff and Slash probably had a panic attack right there when he was like, all right, stop. Because stop, stop. It almost flashes back. like Vietnam flashbacks. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Oh, man. <laughs> And uh, even I'm I mean, I'm reading just the more comments because I it's the we we I guess this has been the main thing with the band. It's always been something from afar, something heard through the grapevine. I like I want to be there. What actually happened? That's why I will never pin any blame on 
an axle, even though it seems obvious, like running off the stage, yeah, there are certain things that happen, but what did Slad have to do with it? What did the crowd have to do with it? But saying, I hear, you know, these clickbaits, GNR screws up November rain. No, it didn't happen. It was just something with the keyboard. That yeah. shit happens. And he handled it very un-Axel Rose-like. You know, you know who didn't handle something well that uh, we were talking about earlier before we started recording? Who's that? Is Bobby Blotzer. <laughs> Bobby Blotzer's rat. Apparently, he walked off stage or something after two songs because he didn't like the sound. And it's like, dude, it's bad enough that you're touring as rat. You didn't write any of the songs that anyone remembers. I think he wrote like two or three songs that no one remembers. So... That's another weird thing. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on with reunions, as we've talked about, like leading up to this show with, you know, Dokken is reuniting. They're doing, I think it's four shows in Japan. They're doing one show in South Dakota, of all places. And, the best Dakota. I don't know. And, and Don Dokken has said, you know, this is it. This is all we're doing. And he's been pretty uh, clear that, like, yes, this is about money. Like, it was too much money to leave on the table for us uh, to do these Japan shows. But he actually said, he was like, I, I'm no matter how much they're offering us to do like a States tour, I'm not doing it. He's like, because then I'm really whoring myself out. He's like, I want to focus on the current docking band. And this is like a last hurrah. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of reunions going on because like at this time, the demand is just there for this type of thing. And I think people are even seeing Guns N' Roses and saying like it could happen. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because we've already speculated, you know, everyone's speculating. They may never tell us as to why they're reuniting. You know, there are, um, like Chris Pittman made that comment on Twitter that it's a cash grab. Um, I think Slash's brother has, has said some, yeah. some angry things. Um, but you see a moment like this, and it seems like they're really enjoying each other's company, that it's not a cash grab. Um, if it was, would I want them to admit it? And that's what's happening right now when you mentioned Dokken. I'm going to admit I'm not as familiar. I mean, I know who they are. Sure. I mean, the only song I really know is from Freddie Four. Dream Warriors Dream is great. Dream Warriors. Oh, there's such a great story about that video. What? Because I, really I love that song. Uh, do you remember the video? Yeah. It's, okay. It's a lot, I mean, it's a lot based on like the movie. Isn't there like there were movie clips within it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So do you remember George Lynch is doing a guitar solo on that cool skeleton guitar? He breaks through the wall. Yeah. Uh, so he, this is actually from Metal Sludge. Uh, I remember I, re I read uh, an interview with him that he said, like, they were so high on cocaine that when he's like that, that wall that I break through was designed so that a baby could break through there. And I was so weak and so high on cocaine <laughs> that he's like, you see, and you could see it in the video. He's like, I kind of step through the, the, the like wall. He's like, I kind of push it and step through. Uh, and they also talked about that. They, they did cocaine off Robert Englund's Freddie glove. <laughs> that's, you know what? That's rock and roll. That is, that is, that. that is like sleaze eighties. <laughs> that's like the epitome of it. And I mean, so would that take as a Dokken fan, like if, if Axel or Slash or whoever said, you know, we're just doing this for the money. For me, I would still see it. It would still kind of suck a bit. Um, but for Dokken, now that they've admitted it and you're going, you're going to see them, right? Uh, I don't or you're know. You're still debating I mean, South Dakota. I probably am not because here's the fact you're debating it. I give you kudos. I know. I don't think I am. If it was California or something, I could find an excuse to go there. Like there's a ton of stuff I would do, but I was thinking to myself, like, I'm, I'm going to take the plane out and get a hotel, all that, probably stay a few more nights. Like, well, the, I don't but, know what else there is to do the in point South is, Dakota. Does that bother you? For oh, this the money? Well, like, I, for the I, reason I, why they're reuniting. Because for, we don't know and we assume 
that Duff was the catalyst to get Slash and Axel talking again. Sure. And it seems like there was a lot of healing. There are videos of Axel and Slash laughing and smiling together, plenty on stage and off stage. Yeah. Um, Saying so that's some badass shit and it's yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah. No, it seems like this is a genuine reunion. Of course, all the rumors about new music and, and they're still continuing the tour, going to different countries. And it seems to be great. So this is just adding more to the reunion. This is adding more than them just getting back together. But for Dokken, and you, you mentioned Rat as well, that there are, are there are two versions now? Is it like well, an LA Gun situation? That, but, well, to answer the first all, question, but it's all in, in, it's all within the same ballpark. Well, I'll, I'll well just to answer the Dokken thing of how I feel about it. Because um, Don Dokken has said he's like I actually it's his real name by the way Don Dokken. <laughs> he said like I do want to have fun. He's like I want to get up there and and have a fun time. And he actually even said on Eddie Trunk he was like I'm not gonna pull like a Bobby Blotzer if there's sound issues and get off stage or any of that. He talked about that because he said actually that the other night his monitors sounded like crap. And he's like, you just follow through with the show with, you know, the current docking band. And he's like, so I just told him at a certain point, just turn our monitors off. He's like, because this sounds like crap. And I, I dealt with it and did the whole show. And he's like, that's what you got to do. So that was cool to hear. Like when your piano gets invaded by ghosts, you just move on. Yeah. So, uh, but how I feel, like, yes, I'd prefer if these guys got along, but they're just doing four shows. And, um, you know, they're doing the one U.S. show. I personally wish it was not South Dakota. I wish it was like like I said, L.A. or something, because I would easily go there and find other th- cool things to do with my time. I just can't justify spending all that money to go to South Dakota and, like, stay at a hotel the rest of the time. I don't blame you, because it's, um, it's docking. If it was, I gotta ask, if it was Guns N' Roses and they were just doing South Dakota, would you fly there? If it was Axel and Slash and I was able to afford it, it, it may be an experience I would have to do. Yeah. Um... Yeah, GNR is more important to Dokken than me. It, it goes without saying. So yeah, and also I'd have friends to go with. I don't think I know anyone who's crazy enough to go to South to Dakota see a for Dokken show. But I mean, it, it is it is awesome. I think that they're reuniting. I, you know, I would love to see these shows. Um, you know, but oh, so the Bobby Blotzer thing. So Rat. Um, I, I'll give everybody some background. I guess is that Warren D. Martini, the guitarist, uh, the other guitarist, not the one you know, Robin Crosby who passed. And Bobby Blotzer owned the rat name, apparently. And um, uh, Bobby has said that Warren does not want to tour. Um, So he originally said, hey, I'm going to tour as Bobby Blotzer's rat experience. And Warren Demartini said, I'd rather you not use the name rat. And he eventually said, you know what? I'm just going to tour as rat because none of you fucking guys want to tour as rat. So he himself is touring as rat with a bunch of other guys. And... uh, I will say I've seen videos on YouTube and they actually put on a very good show, but is it really, it's a cover band. I guess it's essentially if Adler, that band, not sure. just Steven Adler, went out as Guns N' Roses. That's, yeah, it'd be the exact same That's thing. That's stupid. You're like, you want to play the songs cool? I mean, obviously Adler does play Guns N' Roses songs, but that's really stupid. It's, it's different. People said the same thing about Axl Rose going out with a completely new band and calling it Guns N' Roses. And but Axel wrote but a lot of those still, songs, and it's the face, it's the voice. So I guess it's you know it's not the same. It wasn't Guns and Roses per se, but it's a lot more palatable. Yeah. Uh, than the drummer going out and doing that. Yeah. Although there are a, a lot of older bands 
that kind of do that. Chicago. Yeah, but I think if your members die off, I think maybe yeah. there's an excuse for Skinnered. it. Skinnered. Yeah. But not, you know. But they're carrying on a legacy more than, like, really carrying on a legacy than than than, than this, when Stephen Pierce is still around. Yeah. Well, you, oh, back to Kiss a little bit. You've heard, um, I, I don't know if you've heard them say, like, that they have plans to carry on the name when they all die. Yeah, I've heard that. Like, that's pretty crazy, too. That the, They've. I've read Paul Stanley's what is this, book. Ghostbusters? I mean, he it, says like you know, there's a, there's a young kid who could do it, and you know, people just want to see Kiss, and they're gonna basically franchise out the name Kiss. And it's, <laughs> I will, it, it is kind of cool though that like it's a, your grandchildren will get to see Kiss if uh, they want to. <laughs> I think that's kind of. I will give them credit. I think that's a very smart thing to do, especially since they wear makeup, and you can get away with that. If any band could do that, to franchise yourself and have. New versions, essentially, kind of have a new uh, all-female Ghostbusters version of Kiss. I guess you can do that. It's it's interesting, and I think even Axel has has kind of phrased it where the Guns N' Roses franchise, the name, the brand. Uh, it's so it's a unique way of doing it because these songs, whether it's Kiss, whether it's Skinner, whether of course Guns N' Roses, are going to live on forever. Yeah, that's and and at some point you're not going to see that live. And that's it's, why it's, it's so really... important, I think, to go see these Guns N' Roses shows because this could be it. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's why I was going to spend any amount of money. Exactly. You, if you're not seeing these shows, I don't know what you're waiting for. Especially because... since all the reviews are coming in, not just from us, but are just overwhelmingly positive. I heard Jamie Josta on his podcast talking about how like surreal it is that, you know, as long as you and I have been alive, like Iron Maiden has been touring and like ACDC has been touring and. Um, Metallica, like 20 years from now, or 10 years from now for some of these bands. The Stones are still touring. Yeah, it's like, isn't it going to be crazy when all these bands like are no longer touring? Like even even the bands that are younger than that, like how much longer is Megadeth going to tour? How much longer is Anthrax going to tour? Could you imagine when like you see the day when none of those bands are playing shows anymore? And I think we, we touched on this, uh, I forget what show it was, but what's that next band that we all want to see? And I'm wondering if it's just a weird perspective for us since we're Long Island, New York, because there are some big rock festivals all around the country, and people come out to see the hailstorms, the Five Finger Death Punches, and it's just. But you're, I just don't see them having the following of of an Iron Maiden of of, of that doesn't exist now. But I, 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 there needs to be a proper way to franchise it. And again, I guess I w- I will use the the Ghostbusters analogy or even. I Have did, you seen the Ghostbusters? I haven't. No, I, I did uh, read that it's taking a one hundred million dollar loss. Wow, <laughs> one hundred million. They were talking a uh, a sequel, and then they saw the returns. Jeez, and man. even though I, I I heard that the reviews were kind of hit or miss, it wasn't as overwhelmingly bad as everybody was anticipating. But yeah, like a one hundred million dollar loss. That's bad. Yeah. Uh, but even I didn't see the. I saw the last Ninja Turtles, but not the this new like. I, I didn't want to. Yeah, I didn't want to either. But I, I it's just I'm wearing a fucking Ninja <laughs> Turtles uh, tank top right now, uh, and of course one of our logos is in the same vein as Ninja Turtles. So we're we're yeah. And I forgot who mentioned that on Twitter to us. Yes, we're huge Ninja Turtle fans. It's that same era. That's why. Right, but I I also still when I watched this morning, I love the new animated series. Like yeah. it's it's freaking amazing. 
Uh, but even with the new Ninja Turtles or new Ghostbusters, but now you're going to do it with new bands, how do you attack it? How do you approach and satisfy your fans? Same thing with maybe did Axel go about it the right way or wrong way? When he mentioned the Kurt Loader, um, when they came back at the VMAs in 2002, um, he's, and Kurt had said, this is taking a long time. And Axel says, but yeah, but how do you rebuild something that already was? You know, it already existed. How do you do that properly? And Ghostbusters did it right and wrong. Obviously, everyone's saying because it's all girls is just a moron. Who cares if they're women? That's so stupid. Ah, uh, I've heard a lot of different arguments. I haven't seen it, but if a any, lot of if people if it's pushing think an it's, agenda, then, then that's, that's what a lot of people think. If, if it's pushing like an agenda, that's one thing. You don't need to. I'm all for because people have said like the male characters are like disposable in this movie, and that it is pushing an agenda. If that's the case, then I don't want it shoved in my face because I I don't care. Male, female, transgender. I don't. I don't care who you are. Just don't be an asshole. I don't know though. Transgender, transgender Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. I don't know if I'd be. Uh, um, well, I'm not seeing the female one anyway. It, it so. may. It may happen. You never know. Um, but they still had the older um, character, older actors. Uh, I think like Bill Murray made an appearance in it. Yeah. Uh, when they were doing all the the press for it, they had all them all everybody come back. You know, even Annie Potts still looking all hot after all these years. Um, but even and with the Ninja Turtles and Michael Bay sucks, but you're, you're bringing back Bebop, Bebop and Rocksteady. You're like, how do you approach it? So if with Kiss is a long roundabout way to get it. How do you do that? If it was all their sons, like there were talks about maybe like a new generation of Beatles. Could you do that with all their sons? And I think that would be really awesome. It'd be cool. Just don't call it the Beatles probably. I guess, but then you that wouldn't be franchising it. Yeah. That's why I liked with ACDC that when uh, Malcolm uh, had dementia and he was out, I believe, I want to say his brother, I, I hope I'm right about that, or his cousin, um, w- replaced him on, on, replaced him. And it's like, okay. Yeah. That's, 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 that, that's. There's a lot of. There's, there's something about that. Even like with Skinner. Skinner, I was going to say Allman Brothers Band. Right. Yeah. This, there's something, obviously it's not the same, but there's something in the lineage, something in the, in the blood that, that, that you appreciate it. And who knows if that's what Axel was trying to do. You know, we, we've spoken about how DJ Ashbro wearing the top hat. He doesn't wear now his pictures. He just looks like, he looks like he is Hot Topic. Like yeah. if Hot Topic was was a, a person, had the ooze from the Ninja Turtles like fell on him, <laughs> that's that's DJ Ashbro. Uh, even though I'm, I'm a fan, I liked him in the I band. I like DJ Ashbro. Um, but then a lot of people have said that Richard Forrest looks like Izzy. Yeah. You know, uh, so what is the approach to franchise? If Guns N' Roses was to franchise this? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think they would. I think Kiss is more, Kiss is very much about marketing, as they've said. Um, so we, we have Mike Ritland coming on. I do want to get to one more thing before we get to that, though, that we were talking about. Um, this is actually, this came out before we even started this show. Uh, you know, the show itself before any episode. But what did you think of that tweet of Axel saying, I'm not going to sign anything anymore? That was based on, did he see somebody's, uh, like his autograph go up? He, or he did what? mention people eBaying stuff. You know, it reminded me of my experience when I got to meet Slash and Duff. Um, they were signing autographs behind... Um, the venue at Starland Ballroom in Jersey at a Velvet Revolver show. And I, the first person to sign autographs was, was was Duff, I guess, come out of the bus, whatever. He's signing everyone's autograph. Somebody's like, sign my hand. And Duff's like, 
what do you do with that? And I actually said, you don't want to know? And Duff laughed. I made Duff laugh. Everyone laughed. <laughs> so that, that was just a funny moment. Then Slash, everyone was signing. Everyone was, uh, you know, it was like my ticket. And actually, people were, uh, I had them sign my shirt. That was, that was cool. Then somebody out of nowhere had a, had a white guitar. Uh, guitar. I, I'm not savvy enough to know, to remember what type of guitar it was. I get, that doesn't matter. And Slash was like, get that the fuck out of here. Because you know what he's going to do with it. You don't think it would be him just keeping it himself by any means? Why would you have a guitar on you? I really strongly believe that this guy just wanted a Slash autograph yeah, on a guitar yeah. to sell it. And you know what? Actually, I've seen those on eBay, and they'll have the picture of the guy signing the guitar as well, so they could say it's proven. Uh, so yeah, I, I guess, guess I mean, I'll be honest. I've eBayed CDs before, you know, but it, this is a little different. I know what you're saying. You're intentionally getting something signed. I get it. You know what? I, the thing I was I was going to tie this into a little bit was a lot of these celebrities saying, I'm not going to take pictures anymore. You know, it's, um, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. That. Tommy Lee said something about it. And people's immediate reaction is, what an asshole. But times have changed. And also, I can't imagine what it would be like to be as famous as Justin Bieber. Like he said, I feel like a caged animal and stuff. And I, I completely understand. I do. I do. I do. Um, I sound like I'm, I'm about to marry you. Um, there's a couple <laughs> ways to, to, there's a lot of ways actually to go with this, and I don't fault Axel for that. I believe he also said it's not forever, but he's like, he's not going to sign autographs for a while. It's in so it's in such high demand right now. Right. He probably knows so, that like an Axel signature is in higher demand than ever. Right. There was um, also a tweet by Amy Schumer that says she's just not going to take pictures with fans for a while because there was a male fan that harassed her for one. And, you know, it's it's scary because, he, I, I forgive me, I forget the artist's name from The Voice who was killed in Orlando. Oh, yeah, a, I know what you're talking about, though. Um, and the meet and greet situations have gotten scary. And there are times that, especially when you're a, uh, a celebrity like Justin Bieber, you're in danger. And I will tell you a, a, a funny story. Uh, it is a funny story because it's just nothing really bad happened. Uh, that when I got to meet Blink-182, uh, by the way, Christina Grimey, Grimey? Uh, okay. She's the one. I, I, I don't hope I'm not mispronouncing, but I want to say her name because it's so tra tragic. Sure. Uh, when I got to meet Blink-182, I guess I should just say, you know, uh, Mark and Travis and along with Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio um, at, at iHeartMedia, in, in the city where I work, in addition to BAB, I don't know why I had to just give my, my biography right there. Uh, I had to get per, I yeah, I had to get permission because they're doing a meet and greet before their show in, at the theater. So my meet my ability to get there was just going to be in, in line with the rest of the fans. So I I'm waiting in line, and I I because I've mentioned this on the show before. I use a cane because I have a physical disability, and it just it helps me with my my balance. It's, but there are people who have met me, and I think I told the story about when that yes. girl at Sirius thought I was a pimp. Uh, some people just don't know what to make of me because I ha handle myself well, I guess. I'm not what you would call a cliche or just obvious handicapped person, you know, and I mean that in respect to my own because you see somebody in a wheelchair, you see somebody someone's learning their speech. There's a, a stigma attached to somebody who's, quote, handicapped. So, and they were very nice, the security people. They, they the, the, the guy came up to me, he's like, so first thing he's like, you know, I hope you don't mind me asking, how injured are you? 
And uh, I was like, okay, I'm in a good mood. I'm about to meet, you know, my, my heroes from high school. And I'm like, I have a neurological disability. He's like, oh, okay, I'm just curious about, the, you know, uh, the cane. I was like, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's for real. And I rolled up my sleeve and I showed my handicap tattoo <laughs> on the inside of my left bicep. Which bi- is cool, yeah. Yeah, on the inside of my left bicep, uh, meshed in a, a half sleeve, it's uh, the handicap logo with metal horn, throwing up the metal horns and a, and a, a mohawk. And I'm like, it's real. I wouldn't have had this otherwise. And I'm joking. I'm not offended. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, you know, can you walk without it? I was like, yeah, but I'm a lot more comfortable with it. He's like, yeah, I, I'm sorry to ask, but, you know, what happened with Orlando, what he just mentioned with the uh, Christina uh, Grimey uh, from The Voice. Hope I'm not mispronouncing her name. Uh, and I was like, I, I, I totally get it. I'm not offended at all. It's not a big deal. And even like the head of security, this, this woman came by. She's like apologizing to me and I wasn't throwing a fit I was like I get it you guys are doing your job don't worry all right so I thought it's a a dead issue it was just a funny another funny moment in my life so we're about to go in and the same security guard the the man he's like so can before you go in can you take that apart I was like (laughs) what I'm like I, I I can't take that apart. Yeah. He's like, yes, you it's can. Like, I'm looking at it now. Like, what is there to take apart? He's like, you can because there's that that part of, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. of the cane that, how you adjust the height. Yeah, yeah. You can, I guess, essentially, you probably could take any. I'm like, I, I can. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm like, I don't want to take this apart. And then the head of security is like, he's fine, he's fine. I'm like, I, I work here. Yeah, you know? this is ridiculously overly so cautious. So I was, and, and I guess it resulted in a very funny picture, which you can uh, see on, on my Twitter if you follow me. It's all connected through at the AFD show. Is I, was, I, I walk with my cane in my right hand, and I was too afraid to switch to my left because I'm a righty. You know, to shake hands with the right, and so I just do everything with my right uh, and jerk it off. Uh, so I, I didn't switch hands because they thought I might have been in like an attack mode switching. Like, yeah. So I just put out my left and I'm really not used. To, it's the my weaker hand and I'm really yeah. not used to shaking hands. So it looks like me and Mark Hoppus are like about to exchange vows the way we're shaking hands. And it's <laughs> I really, think I have seen that. Yeah. yeah I mean, and Travis Barker in the middle, like looking like what's going on. So it, it resulted in a funny story and a funny um, uh, picture. But to go all the way back to Axel, I don't blame him. It sucks that it's this is the world that we live in, whether it's people hawking it for money, whether it's the ultimate, people dying, not even just me being getting harassed for my questioning me and my disability. It's so that's my my long answer with a lot of uh, reasons why Axel is doing what he's doing. And I hope it changes because, you know, I would love an Axel. Yeah, I get it. I mean, and also, look, I'm, I'm as capitalist as they come. Uh, at the same time, Axel could be selling stuff with his autograph, so he's supposed to be doing that for people who really want it. I mean, at the same time, I, I would have loved to have bought more of those New Jersey lithographs to, to sell on eBay had mm-hmm. I known how much those are going for. Um, but no, I, I get it. It's his right, um, and I don't think it necessarily makes you an asshole. When I heard the Tommy Lee thing, like Tommy Lee wrote a whole thing about that he was— I think getting flowers for—it might have been his mom or a family member's funeral, and they were like, Tommy, let me get a picture— and he's like, dude, I'm getting flowers for a funeral. Like, I'm not in the mood for this right now. So I get it. Um, we spoke about that with John Miller. If it's time and place, when do you do it? I mean, that's the life of a celebrity. I know I've done had awkward moments like Jim Brewer in the bathroom. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave it at that. If that sounds weird enough, go listen to the last episode to hear the story. Um, it's just a weird thing, and it's this is the world that we live in. So I don't blame Axel at all. Uh, as we just saw and listened to with November 8th, I think he's in a better place. I think he's doing things for all the right reasons. 
I have no issue with it. I agree. Um, so, yeah, as we were saying, we have Mike Ritland coming on. I'm really excited. Navy SEAL, canine instructor, uh, runs Tricos International and the Warrior <laughs> Dog Foundation. And uh, the first thing I was going to say, Mike, is, like, at least for me, I'm wondering if you feel the same way. It's kind of a relief to talk about just rock and Guns and Roses and all this stuff when all we talk about is, and, and for you, like, politics and Navy SEAL stuff, because for me, you know, and I know you love talking politics too, but if someone was to ask me, you know, are you into politics? I'm really not. It's just one of those things you have to be informed about or, you know, it, it's just part of being a good citizen. But what I love talking is Guns N' Roses and rock and roll, really. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, the uh, the daily grind of, of talking about, you know, basically business, whether it's dogs, uh, you know, soft community stuff or politics or whatever, because I'm, I'm of the same uh, same variety, and that I actually fucking hate politics. But I, on the same token, I I hate being an ignorant dipshit even more than <laughs> politics. So, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I, I hear you 100. percent I love to, to talk guitars and music and amps and gear and you know steaks and barbecue. I mean, that's kind of the the only other things that I do other than than the normal put the food on the table type bullshit. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, stoked to just have a have a good casual convo about it. Hell yeah, man. Um, so the the reason we're bringing you on more than anything, of course, <laughs> is that you were at the uh, the Arlington, Texas show. Which it's funny, Brando and I were discussing. We were like, is that the show that that the November rain mess up happened? But that was actually in Houston. So I saw the picture that you sent over, and you were super close. Um, just recap the show a little bit for us. I'm wondering how it went and, and what you thought. And, and I'm also wondering if, you know, if you're like Brando and I and saw the band pre-slash reunion or even since you're a little older, if you saw the band during the heyday. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess to answer the last question first is because I think it's false relevant. I, I never saw them uh, growing up in high school. They were at their peak when I was in high school in the early 90s and and uh but i just i never got got to it i was supposed to go to a st louis show because uh, that was the closest to where i grew up but something ended up happening where i couldn't go and it ended up being a total uh fucking nightmare anyway where that was the that was the show where axel like threw a fucking mic stand and hit somebody in the face and canceled the show like 10 minutes into it and was two hours late starting and you know he i, I think he had some <clears throat> some antics, you know, back then, uh, and maybe felt a little too big for his britches or got too popular too fast, too young. I don't know what it was, but, you know, I, I, they were one of my favorite bands, you know, growing up, and I always jammed out to them. And, you know, so to fast forward and go through, you know, a solid 20 years plus uh, of my adult life and then, you know, have them get the reunion, especially after you know, just how skeptical I was of it actually happening, uh, you know, given the tumultuous history between Flash and Axel over the last couple of decades, I, I really didn't think it would happen. So when it did, um, you know, I, I would also add that my expectations were not very high, you know, just given how long it's been since they played. And, and uh, again, just kind of everything that's gone on, I wasn't really anticipating it to be that great. But, you know, I was like, fuck, when else are you going to get to see Guns and Roses. I mean, I think the the name of their tour of not in this fucking lifetime is pretty <laughs> pretty apt, you know. And uh, so I was like, fuck it, you know, let's go. And uh, a friend of mine who also works for me uh, got just ridiculous fucking tickets. Uh, you know, there's a, a little section that 
that was, um, you know, I guess you would call it the floor, but I, I'm assuming it was some sort of like VIP floor that was way up front. It was, you know, right up to the stage, but it was a really small area that was just, uh, you know, people standing. And then there was a, a big meaty guardrail behind that and then seats. And we were in the front row of the seated section right behind it. So, I mean, we so were awesome. 40 feet from the, from the stage probably. Uh, if that actually, but um, so peanut butter and jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what was really surprising, <clears throat> you know, or I guess I just wasn't expecting was, you know, it was at the the new Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, which is a fucking monstrosity. Jerry's world. So, but yeah, of, of an engineering fucking wonder. I mean, like it, it's an enormous, just unbelievably remarkable stadium, and they fucking filled it. I mean. I took a, a panoramic uh, picture with my phone just before they, they dimmed the lights, and it's just, it's like, holy shit, I can't believe it. There's, there's seats up there that, in my opinion, they shouldn't be able to charge for. They're that fucking high and far away. And uh, and there were people in them, in every goddamn one of them. You know, it was just, it was amazing to see not just the fact that it was packed, but also who it was packed with. I mean, it had... I mean, there were kids that were in their early teens there that I was just like, how do you even know who the fuck got the roses are? <laughs> you know, but, uh, and then of course, you know, there's a shit ton of people, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s uh, age group that uh, kind of grew up with them. And and uh, so it was, it was just really neat. But then, you know, once the concert actually started, uh, the cult opened for them and they, they did a really good job too. I mean, they sounded, sounded really good. And it was neat to see them after, you know, hearing them for so many years. Uh, but when, you know, when Guns N' Roses took the stage, it was just, I mean, it was all over. I mean, the the second they started playing, it was just, I think everybody kind of had a collective sigh of relief, like, holy shit, these guys are, are every bit as good as they've ever been and, and absolutely legit and, and relevant. And, and they just absolutely fucking crushed it, you know, and uh, every aspect of the show, from my perspective, was spot on and that. You know, the, the vocals were just surprisingly good. You know, again, I as long as it's been, you know, since I, I've heard him sing public or, or whatever, I, I wasn't anticipating uh, him to really nail it, but he absolutely did. And then the entire band, same thing. I mean, they were just spot the fuck on. And I would say from a, from a production standpoint, too, the show was very well done. And that, you know, there was, it was a professionally done show in terms of pyro and effects and stuff, but not so overdone to where it's like jesus are we watching a fucking movie or is this a, a, a concert yeah like kiss you know, and, <laughs> that's the bit yeah. i was thinking of <laughs> yeah yeah so uh yeah i mean i just i mean honestly there, there wasn't a single thing about it that i that i could critique uh anything other than than raving reviews i mean um you know and then the last thing was that you know they, they played or the last two things is that they played every song that you wanted to hear um, you know, and then they played some that I, I wasn't all that familiar with. And there's some from uh, the Spaghetti Incident or, you know, a couple of random tracks off of uh, Lies that I, you know, I mean, I, I knew them, but, I, you know, they weren't ones that I was dying to hear. And then, you know, Chinese Democracy is one that I'm, I'm really not familiar with at all. I, I never never listened to much of it. So there was, you know, a handful of songs that I, I wasn't, wasn't jamming on, but they still sounded good. They were well done. Um the other thing, the, you know, the last thing that I would I would add in terms of the the review of it was that, I mean, they played for three fucking hours straight, you know, and, and took no breaks. You know, I mean, I was just I was really impressed and astounded by guys that are as old as they are with the kind of fucking energy they brought, 
for three hours straight, um, you know, and, and were professional about it. You know, they weren't prima donnas. They weren't, uh, you know, assholes to the crowd. They weren't fucking around. You know, they were just solid performers that did a, a phenomenal job. And, and uh, you know, I would say just kind of you, you got the feeling at the end of the show that, uh, you know, it's like walking out of a movie that leaves you speechless almost. Like everybody was just mm. like, holy fuck, what just happened, you know? So, I, I, yeah, I mean, it was it was really, really awesome. And I was uh, I'm fucking stoked to have been a part of it. It was, it was really cool. And you're, and you're saying this as somebody who went into it, I don't know if, if thinking the worst is the way to phrase it, but you didn't have high expectations. So did you not yeah. see any of the YouTube videos or see any of their previous reviews? Because they had a, a handful of shows before the show that you went to, or you just went in completely blind, knowing just the Guns N' Roses you grew up with, and then left with just that of what you just told us. Well, yeah, no, I I, I did that on purpose, actually. I knew that they had, had a few other shows, and I, I purposely didn't didn't watch any of the videos, or um, any time I saw any, any publicity or press on any of it, I just, you know, ignored it, skipped right over it, whatever, and, and uh you know, because I, like I said, I, I, I knew how I remembered them, and I wanted to just go in there face value and see see what the fuck. You know, I do the same thing with, like, if there's a movie that I want to yeah, see, I was thinking that comes on, I fucking I turn it off or I change the channel or, or or whatever. If somebody says, "Oh, have you seen whatever movie?" I'm like, "Motherfucker, don't tell me about it." You know, <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like having any uh, any sneak peeks into shit like that. So um, yeah, I, I I went in there completely fucking blind, and uh, I, you know, I'm sure that that was part of of why they probably blew me away as, as much as they did, because I, I, I was, you know, not expecting them to be me, be much. I, I kind of figured, you know, they'd probably be a little bit washed up and, and, uh, you know, out of just a little rusty and, and not quite, uh, you know, like they used to be, but, but, uh, yeah, they, they fucking proved it, proved me wrong for sure. You know, I think they proved a lot of people wrong and, and have been, but. But that's an interesting perspective because, I'm the complete. I was complete opposite when Ian and I saw them in, in Jersey. From the get-go, mm-hmm. when they played in the Troubadour, I, I've been watching every single show on Periscope. I've been reading all the set lists. Ian yells at me for don't post the set list. I don't want to know. <laughs> so I went in knowing yeah. pretty much the set list and knowing that they've been sounding great. And I still left with the same impression you did, where you did none of that. We, we both came to the same conclusion. So that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, from my perspective, I can, I mean, I think that speaks volumes in, in terms of you feeling that way after seeing all that, because, you know, like I said, I, I think that, you know, my, my low expectations can only lend itself a little bit to to being blown away by the show, but to, you know, to have seen all that and, and been that up to date on it and still have that that reaction, I'd, I'd say it's, uh, it's damn sure not a fluke, you know, but. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and I, I will also say, I mean, being the the guitar fan that I am, I mean, I am by no means, uh, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a novice player at best, but you know, to see um, to see Slash play, and also, I don't I don't know the, the guy's name, but I mean, I know he's been playing for him since early 2000. Richard the Fortas, guitar player. Yeah, I mean, he he was fucking spectacular, you know, and then to be that close and get to watch two guys of that fucking caliber and magnitude play uh you know when i try to play too it's just you know to me that was a huge fucking treat you know because it's to be close enough to to actually see what their fucking hands are doing and hear it it's just uh it was it was phenomenal you know and uh and, and it was something that 
you know, I, I took uh, a bunch of fucking videos with my phone and, and whatever, and, and just, you know, played them a few times since and watched. And I'm just like, holy fuck, you know, those guys are are truly fucking gifted. I mean, you know, it's one thing to, to practice a lot and put time in, um, you know, but I think it's another thing to just have a, a natural genetic aptitude for uh, for chops like that, and, and they both do, you know. Yeah, well, you know what I was wondering, Mike, is, you know, you, as you were saying, you didn't really pay attention to Chinese democracy and, and those albums, so you're kind of, I would say, like a Guns N' Roses traditionalist. Like, you got into them during mm-hmm. the Appetite Era and Use Your Illusions and all that. So what did you think of the of the new lineup, The uh, you know, the idea of how Melissa Reese was up there, and, and all these new players. Like, did did that bother you or take anything away from you? No, from, Izzy. That it wasn't Izzy, it wasn't Steven, yeah. it wasn't Matt Sorum. No, it it really didn't. And you know, I would say because I was, uh, you know, growing up, it's kind of like Def Leppard. Like, you know, you know the lead singer and the fucking the lead guitarist. <laughs> Def Leppard's sure. like not not even as good of an example. But I mean, to me, you know, Guns N' Roses is the Slash and Axel. You know, not not to take anything away from everybody else, but um, I mean, at least you know, from my perspective, I I, I wouldn't take anything away from uh, from those guys. I mean, I, my hats off to off to the rest of them. But as a junior high and high school kid listening to the band, you know, it's like I'm listening to, to Slash and Axel, and then the other guys are uh, are like backup dancers at a Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I've kind of painted a picture of your type of fan before where it's it's the faces of the band yeah you yeah. know the nerds like ian and i we know everybody uh past present you know uh side projects all that crap so what was your introduction to the band uh to, to slash you mentioned you played guitar was he an influence so to get to the point with that you just had what was the, the road leading up to that uh the, sure. the guns and roses road yeah, I mean, so for me, I you know I grew up in a, a smaller suburban town in northern Iowa, um, and you know me and my friends were into metal. So I mean, we started off again with you know some of the '80s bands, Def Leppard and Twisted Sister and Rat, and and, and you know there's Poison and White Snake and Bon Jovi and shit like that. But as as I got a little bit older, I, I started to get a little more into the the harder stuff. And, and uh, you know, was digging on Metallica and, and Megadeth and Iron Maiden and Pantera. Yeah, I was gonna say, can't forget Pantera for you. You're the biggest Pantera fan I know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean they were they were kind of the the pinnacle of you know rip your rip off your head and shit down your throat. You know, <laughs> metal music and and uh, you know that that's that's what kind of ruined me in terms of uh, of everything else. Um, you know, just li- liking that really in your face hard heavy stuff, but it, it, it kind of built up with, with bands like Guns N' Roses and, and similar ones. So, you know, for me, it was it was just, you know, really enjoying, you know, that music. And then, again, being being a kid that, that at that time, I, you know, it wasn't like I was some, uh, you know, talented and gifted guitar player and, and was in bands and music and shit like that growing up. It just, I dug the music. I, I like to work out to it. And, um you know, and, and again, I mean, most most of my experiences with the band, I mean, similar with Pantera. I mean, I know a little more about them just because I've got so heavy into them in high school in terms of who the other band members are. But it's kind of the same thing, and that you know, you've got Phil Anselmo and, and Dimebag Daryl, and that they're what makes Pantera. I mean, again, not that Vinnie Paul's not a good drummer, not that Rex isn't a good bass player, you know. But to me, 
you know, for the most part, with the exception of guys like Cliff Burton from, you know, early Metallica days or really gifted drummers like, you know, Dave Matthews band drummer. I don't know his fucking name, but, you know, guys like that. I mean, drums and bass, unfortunately, are, are just uh, not as sexy of, of positions, you know, for, for one main reason, and that there's just, I think that it's harder to put your, your signature on uh, on rhythm. You know, sure. it just really is. I mean, the same with a rhythm guitarist. I mean, uh, you know, more people know or knew who Kirk Hammett was versus Dave Mustaine and and, and Metallica because he was more of the lead uh, as he as he came came on after him. You know, it's just I, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, I guess you know, as shitty as it as it may sound, it, it just uh, it, it, it seems like it's harder for for drummers and bassists to, to make an impact. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I I think it's harder to have a distinct sound. Like, there's very few that you could point to, you know. Like Neil Peart, I'm thinking. Exactly. I was going to say for Primus, everybody knows Les Claypool. Sure. Um, There's those examples like that. Um, Or Flea. Yeah. The the last thing I wanted to ask you about, though, Mike, is you were talking about that you like to work out to these bands. I think a lot of us agree with that, you know, and could relate um, because heavy music is just something that gets you pumped. But for you, you're a guy who's been deployed. You're a guy who's seen combat. You've been in Iraq, uh, you know, as a Navy SEAL. So I'm wondering, was was uh, I know Pantera was was Guns N' Roses ever in your headphones during any of those deployments? Um, you know, actually, it was uh, for sure not not to the same degree that, uh, that. Well, so I guess the best way I can break it down is. You know, there were like if if I was just in camp and and fucking kicking back, I would listen to music, uh, and and I would listen to fucking Guns N' Roses or or anybody, you know. But um, you know, and, and I'm embarrassed to say, even fucking Creed was. <laughs> I like Creed a lot, man. Hey, no shame. I have human clay. I get it. Yeah, but uh, and then you know, of course, I was in the you know, early 2000s too, so it was. Uh, Somebody bought those records, then, but, so admit it. Yeah, I fucking admitted it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, to me too. The uh, I can't think of the guy's name. The, the lead guitarist. Oh, Mark Tremonti, amazing. Mark Tremonti. Mark Mark yeah. Tremonti. You're talking about? Yeah, I mean Tremonti. I mean Christ, he's got his own guitar line for Christ's sake with uh, with PRS, I think. But um, but yeah, I mean he's a phenomenal fuck guitarist. Oh hell yeah! And uh, you know their music, it's a little bit bubble gum, but it's still fucking good, I think. You know, a lot of it is. It's still catchy enough for me to want to lay around and listen to it. But So Guns N' Roses was kind of in that similar aspect. In terms of when I was working out or, you know, getting my shit on to go fucking kick doors in or whatever, it was always Pantera, Korn, um, just really fucking grungy fucking, you know, deft tones. I mean, it was, it was shit that just made you want to get fucking violent. <laughs> as good as Guns N' Roses is, it, it doesn't have that same uh, joie de vivre, if you will. I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Out to Get Me, those songs. For that... a crime, Garden of Eden, they have yeah. like some songs. But you're not going to listen to November Rain and Estranged. Actually, for me, man, Chinese Democracy is one of those songs that always gets me pumped. Shackles but I know that's Rangers. not like yeah. your era of the band. Yeah. But that song gets me pumped. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, there, there, again, I mean, uh, there's a number of songs that they have that, that will energize you. But, you know, to me, to if you're setting that song next to anything off of Shoots and Ladders, uh, you know, or anything off of Boulder Display of Power or Far Beyond Driven, like, that, there's not a comparison. You know, there, there just isn't. I mean, it, it, from my perspective. But, I get it, uh, man. 
you know, so again, I mean, it's, it's fucking great music. I love it. And, and listen to it, you know, again, even, even overseas, uh, on a number of occasions, but you know, when it was, when it was go time, it was, uh, it was always something that had a little more, uh, feed and rebar through a tree shredder sound to it, you know? I'm as big as your bicep, so I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> You're a very large man. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you coming on. I mean, Ian has been talking about you for, for quite a while, so it's... um. Glad to, I guess, meet you uh, at least over the phone. I know you're. Are you? You're calling from Texas right now, correct? I'm actually on the road. I was at Sturgis all week. Uh, oh, okay. As a, as a representative for Warrior Dog Foundation, and uh, you know, the, the the neat thing is the Buffalo Chip there. Give them a big big shout out. I mean, they they've brought us the last couple of years, and you know, they have a pretty decent lineup. Also, you know who just played uh, Sturgis? Uh, my friends at Midnight Mob. They oh, open, nice. Yeah, they. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, who did they open for? It might have been uh, Three Doors Down or Kid Rock, whoever. Okay. They're whoever. good. Midnight Mob yeah. is, is great. Yeah, Kid Rock played on Sunday at the Buffalo Chip, and uh, that was the day I got in, so I, I actually missed it. Five Finger Death Punch played. They they did fuck great. They played last year, too, and I watched them, and uh, they put on a pretty good show. And uh, Pop Evil played last night, and they, nice. were, they were pretty good, too. Um, yeah. And so the last thing I was going to say, man, is, you know, anybody who, who's not familiar with Mike, check out Mike's Twitter, of course, at M. Ritland, always really active on there. Um, Warrior Dog Foundation is at Warrior Dogs and Tricos International at Tricos Dog. The website is Tricos.com. Dude, always an honor talking with you, man, and, and get back to barbecuing or whatever it is that you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. It's my pleasure, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, dude. And, and I always have to end it with Mike Ritland for president. since <laughs> That's been like the okay. big rally call of uh, my, my friends over at Sofrep where I do uh, other stuff, of course. Yeah, I'll do it. I mean, at least get some bumper stickers made up. <laughs> One last thing before I go, I wanted to justify to your listeners uh, why in the fuck we would be talking about Creed uh, on a GNR podcast. <laughs> okay. I need you guys to bear with me. Okay. Um, so Mark Tremonti was the guitarist at Creed. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but he also plays an Alter Bridge now. Who the lead singer is Miles Kennedy, who sings on Slash's solo project. So, six degrees of separation, basically Creed equals Guns and Roses. <laughs> <laughs> that does bring it full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Are you? I gotta ask then. Are, are you a Miles Kennedy fan? Because I've said before, personally, n- not really my thing, man. Um. I mean, I do like Alter Bridge. I mean, to say, am I a Miles Kennedy fan? I mean, I fuck, I don't know him, <laughs> but you know, in terms of his his uh, abilities, I you know, I think, yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I don't like when, like, on Slash's solo project, I think there's too, uh, like, it's trying too hard to sound like uh, like Axel a little bit. I mean, I know some of the songs I've heard them cover it. And he does a pretty good job. I think it's just one of those things like he should just fucking leave it alone, though, and not do that. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. That's my take on it. I, I like him in Alter Bridge. There's a handful of songs in Alter Bridge I like a lot, but um, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, fair enough, because he has that kind of whiny voice that Axel has. So it's interesting. Yeah. That uh, Slash needed an Axel type of lead singer because he missed him. Same thing maybe with Scott Weiland. He needed somebody crazy. Rest in peace, Scott. Yeah. And then uh, Axel needed somebody with either a bucket on his head or DJ Ashbaugh who wore a hat. So they really missed each other all these years. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I mean, to me, I don't know why. Like Slash could have could have had any 
swinging dick in the planet sing for them like why you would almost like typecast or find a guy that you know has so many similarities to Axel is kind of beyond me but they love each other and it's just they were meant yeah. to be they were meant to be so we, we appreciate yeah. it and no judgment here uh, for Creed because yeah. I did see them in concert <laughs> once and uh, Jerry Cantrell opened and they, they rocked it man I've seen them too I, well I love Creed and as you guys on the podcast know I have no shame about anything that I was to do so no, there you go man well dude thanks again for doing this Mike do you, do you listen to Creed while wearing your Nickelback? <laughs> <laughs> now, Nickelback, that, that's a bit much for me. Nickelback, uh, I, I can't get into. <laughs> I, I think, see, I think Creed did not deserve all the hate that they got. Nickelback, on the other hand, uh, I mean, their, it's just so generic. Their earlier stuff, see, I will say that. I saw them when they just got big uh, when they played a show at my college, and they were fine. They've gotten a little weird. Over the years, uh, but yeah. I, I see your point. Uh, I would not uh, pay a lot. I would not pay a lot of money to see a Nickelback reunion. I'll just leave that up to Guns yeah. N' Roses. Well, I, I damn sure will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service, right. Mike. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Mike. All right, take care. Dude, fun show. A lot of great discussion, I think, and and. It is interesting to see all these other bands reuniting, and I think the demand is out there. Um, like a guy I've wanted to get on the podcast, and hopefully we'll, we will soon, is Stevie Rochelle from Metal Sludge, who talks about all the stuff going on. And it's it's just interesting how for a while during the 2000s, basically the late 90s, there was no demand for these bands unless you were a Guns N' Roses and now it's like they're seeing what Guns N' Roses is doing, and people want to see Skid Row reunite. They want to see Rat reunite. They want to see Dokken, who is reuniting for a few shows. And, you know, I like you said, there's like Guns N' Roses are like the pinnacle of that. So if they can do it, if Axel and Slash could get along, maybe Israel and the Palestinians could get along, <laughs> you know, honestly. Same wavelength. I was about to use that as an analogy. Perfect, perfect, perfect. You know what? It's just showing that good music... And I'm not. I can't put obviously, you know, Dokken and Guns N' Roses in the same category. But I mean, these bands have a fan base. You know, you look at now, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because it sucks that VH1 Classic went to MTV Classic. Because yeah. VH1 Classic used to. Have I loved all, Metal Mania. Yeah, Metal Mania, and then you know, of course, uh, that Metal Show and all that stuff. But now, you know, they're showing like Backstreet Boy reunion concerts. But I mean, I, I like that stuff too. Not gonna lie, I do too. <laughs> did you, Joe? Did you see the uh, the documentary on the Backstreet Boys? No, I didn't. It was it's right. great. Watch it on Netflix. Let me say you go that far, but I'm I'm just saying that regardless of genre, the demand for true reunions yeah. are, are are there, or at least the faces as and I we've touched on it, and I'm really and it just it proves me right in a way what Mike said about to him Guns and Roses is Axel and Slash. Of course, to nerds like you and I, Axel Slash, Duff, Izzy, Steven, we're very, very cool with what's going on right now. Additions with Melissa Reese, it's fine. But Mike represents a large of the population. That's why, and you know, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a homer for a classic rock radio station, you hear a lot of the same stuff because people like what they like, and, and most people aren't as nerdy or as criti uh, critical as we are. It's just, it is what it is. Well, are you going to kill me if I bring up Kiss one more time? 
<laughs> we should get started kiss podcast. Well, this this pertains very well to what you're talking about. Um, so I read I've read Peter Chris's book. I read Paul Stanley's book, and one of the funny things about Paul Stanley's book in regards to this is that after they did the big reunion tour with the face paint, the makeup, and everything, um, they were going to go play Japan, and you know they were saying to Peter Chris, "Hey, we'll pay you this much. We're going to tour Japan," and Peter Chris constantly wanted more, and. He kept saying to Paul Stanley, and well, uh, Paul Stanley basically was like, all right, we'll have Eric Singer wear the face paint. Like, we'll have someone else go over there in the face paint. And Eric and Peter Chris kept saying, the, the fans aren't going to, uh, the fans won't accept it. And Paul Stanley's attitude is basically like, oh, they will. And they went <laughs> over there, you know, with Eric Singer in the makeup and sold out fucking arenas in Japan. So it's yeah. just, yeah, there are certain, you know, there are the people who are going to bitch, but also even the people that are going to bitch, a lot of them are going to buy tickets. And so at the end of the day, if you're going to buy tickets, it doesn't really matter. Like you could want, um, I, I'm drawing a blank here, the drummer from Black Sabbath who's not there right now. Bill Ward. Yeah, you could want Bill Ward up on that stage, but if you're a Black Sabbath fan, you're probably you're still, still going. going. So it doesn't mean money taken out of their wallets. Certain, and we spoke about it at the beginning of the show, certain band franchises, certain band brands just work. It is, and as and I briefly mentioned before, as the Yankees have completely transitioned into a new phase, the, the, the youth movement, and it was so cool that uh, they just had recently had the 1996 uh, ceremony, and I got to see wow. it. Wow. I yeah. can't believe it's that long. I know, well, I, I say this. I only remember the date, October 26, 1996, because that's when I was bar mitzvahed. Only reason I remember, Yankees won the World Series that night. Wow. But you he, must have, as a Yankee fan, you must have been like, man, I want to watch this. But Oh, and yeah. No, and, and, I, and I did. And it was it was fantastic, but people they bought they they I'm always a Yankee fan. I mean, you could be a fan of certain players uh, or, i.e., band members, but it's the the jersey, it's the emblem, it's the logo. You're a fan of the uniform, essentially. You're a fan of the face paint. You're a fan of the top hat and the bandana. It's just it works for some, not for others. It didn't work for Ghostbusters, <laughs> you know. There are certain other. Franchises, I guess they they tried to remake certain things. Um, Star Trek, I worked for. Yeah. You know? So anyway, uh, we'll be back. Probably we've been doing this usually every other week. Um, you know, we don't have a set day that we put it out, but usually every other. We're week, our own we'll, bosses. Yeah, we'll have something out because we're keeping this fun. But um, so check out all the social media. We're on Twitter at the AFD Show. It's usually Brandon Brando running the uh, AFD Show Twitter and Facebook. We're like, we're we're active. You yeah, know, well, very active. Send us stuff. Oh, and uh, you know what? I want to play this before we leave. Go for it. Um. We just press this button over here. Be very professional about it, because I found. I mentioned this. The reason I want to make it, bring it up now, because I mentioned this uh, last time when John Miller that my mom told me about this. Every what you're hearing right now is Full House. All right, so I'm gonna set the scene. This is like early, early Full yeah. House. So this is. I thought you said it was Blossom. I, we were on. Uh, whatever. I know That's it was what you Blossom. Said in the episode. I know that, but it's. I was. I forgot. It was Full House, or my mom told me the wrong one. Whatever. Who gives a shit? It's Full House with the Guns N' Roses mentioned. So enjoy. Year we watched the music video awards and stuff our faces with junk food. This year, let's make it interesting. Every time you make something interesting, we get it's in coming, trouble. Don't worry. I'll bet you five marshmallows. At least one guy from Guns N' Roses falls off the stage. Four cookies say they don't even find. 
behind the stage. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's that's the fact that there was Guns N' Roses mentioned in Full House. It's just fucking great. Yeah, just pop culture. Like I remember, I I don't know why I remember this. But Thanks, mom. That yeah, it reminds me of uh, Clarissa explains it all. There was like a Nirvana mention, and I remember at the time being like, "That's so cool." Yeah. So, so yeah, and, yeah. And you know what? Actually, that that does speak to how iconic they are because I don't think on uh, uh, who the Olsen twins? No, Guns N' Roses. I, know, I, know, I was being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, like, what's the... I don't even watch TV, man, but um, what, what's Modern Family? Like, I don't think you would hear an Imagine Dragons reference on Modern <laughs> Family. And that's, like, you know, the biggest rock band today, I guess, up there. I, I, I don't know. They had... They, they seem to have died down, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, 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 I don't I know what's it. big, man. I don't work in music radio like you, so that's the thing. So my whole world is, like, Trump and Hillary and Navy SEALs and... Army Rangers. Yeah, we also don't really have like a new music station in in New York, so I'm kind of out of the loop as well. Every now and again, I'll put on Nash actually, and I, I kind of like that pop country stuff. Like now and again, it's no, fun. It's not for me. They all sound the same. They do, but it's fun. Uh, it's all about like, oh fuck my truck. Like it's just like <laughs> well, drink some whiskey off yeah, my all grandma's like, tits. I don't know, it's all the same shit. No, it's fun though. It's all like it's all about like driving big trucks, drinking beer, hunting. Like it's it's fun music, and I, I like fun music. You know what? You want real country? Listen to Hank Williams the oh, Third. I agree. I Hank agree completely. Is I love the Hank the Third, dude. Yeah. I love Hank the Third, and I love Johnny Cash, and yes. I love, I love Cash, Hank Williams Senior. You know, but I think it's it's fun music. Like we've we've debated this before like if you were to tell me like wh- who's an amazing uh rock band or something you know guns and roses is up there for me or aerosmith but do i enjoy listening to a little warrant or you know do i do i enjoy listening to i, I don't know just uh, po- I do i like poison this. yeah are they a great band no they're fun man i, I want to get into this whether it's next podcast or a future podcast that the hair metal scene where you can Somewhat compare it to country, today's country, where there are what people consider real country, and back then there were people that would consider real rock, the Guns N' Roses, the Metallicas, or versus, you know, um, the Warrens, the Poisons, or you hear the Thomas Rhetts. Yeah, I know some of the names. Or do you listen to some of like the what? The, I don't want to say harder country, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. So how did Guns N' Roses fit in? So I, the, I, I'd also before like to we do, go too is, much down the rabbit is hole, is Guns N' Roses hair metal? That's another thing. I've that's asked. yes. Before we'll leave that to ellipses to be continued. We'll sure. leave it at that before we go too much down the rabbit hole because we tend to do that. So yes, both follow us. Major ADD. Hey, I'm on medication. You're not. So what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yes, please follow us at the AFD Show Facebook Twitter. Uh, also, again, we are now, thank you uh, to those of my coworkers who helped us out uh, getting us on the iHeartRadio app as well. Leave us a review on, on iTunes. And um, as Axel Rose said about Chinese democracy, I don't know if you'll see it. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it regarding our next podcast. I fucked that ending up, but whatever. We'll keep it. You've been listening to the distorted minds of Brando and Scotto. Dissecting all things Guns N' Roses on Appetite for Distortion. Follow the guys on Twitter at The AFD Show and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The AFD Show. Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.